Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. start a new sermon series today and I'm just going to teach for a little bit here and then we're going to have our fall festival here after service. They got, I don't know, all kinds of things that they're setting up out there. And uh, But I'm starting a new sermon series called Heaven is Real. Um, I want to talk to you about heaven. I want to talk to you for the next four weeks about heaven, how heaven is real. Before, um, before the movie came out, Heaven is for Real, uh, City Chapel knew that heaven was real before the book came out. Uh, all of that, we believe that heaven is a real um, dimension. Heaven is the place uh, where God dwells and lives. And heaven is also the eternal home for those who believe in him, for those who put their faith in him. And so uh, we want to talk about heaven, one, because I think it's, it's, it's so um, encouraging to know uh, what God has planned for those who have put their faith in him. Um, I, think it's, I, I think it's the kind of encouragement that we need in, in this day. Uh, the world is not very much like heaven um, at all, and uh, it seems to not be getting a whole, whole lot better. Um, but in the middle of all of that, um, I have good news. And the good news is that Jesus has conquered sin and death and the grave, and he has offered to us an eternity of heaven. And so you say, well, what is heaven? Uh, how can I know about that? And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be reading some scriptures um, about heaven, some of which very vividly describe um, this, this, this dimension that I'm talking about. Um, and uh, the Bible is full of, of images and imagery and descriptions about heaven because I think God wants us to know. Um, about heaven. He wants us to know what he is preparing for us. And if you're not a Christian today, maybe you're just uh, checking it out. Maybe you're just thinking about it. Maybe, maybe this might help persuade you to see what kind of God we serve. Um, that God is not just the God of hell, um, the God who um, loves to judge sinners, but God is also the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God is the creator of heaven, the sustainer of heaven, the inventor of of heaven, and um, and it's exciting. Over over the past few weeks, I've been studying for this sermon series, and so I've been sharing with my wife all the stuff that I've been learning. And um, she 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 told me yesterday just just to just to try to keep it simple. So I'm going to try to keep it simple because I can really geek out about this stuff. Because like you know, people who like cars they geek out about cars. People who like sports they geek out about sports. I like the Bible. I can really geek out about the Bible. So I'm trying to hold it back a little bit, keep it down to earth a little bit, because heaven is like one of those. One of those topics that is just so vast and so beautiful and so amazing that um, I can really geek out. So I'm going I'm to try to keep it simple. I mean, basically today, um, I just want to give you an introduction. I want to give you a taste. And every week, um, I'm going to start this, our sermon series by simply answering some questions, right? So the Bible Answer Man is here with you today. I'm going to answer some questions that you all have about heaven. So we put this out on Facebook. One of the questions from um, Cassie, I don't know if Cassie's here, but Cassie wondered, uh, she said, am I going to have diabetes in heaven? And, um, and uh, the answer is no. There, there's no diabetes in heaven. Her next question was, am I uh, going to know what to do with myself if I don't have diabetes? And I can't answer that. I am not a psychologist. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I imagine she'll figure it out. Cassie's a smart girl. She will, she will figure it out. 
Um, maybe start a support group for, you know, I used to have diabetes, now I don't. And uh, have everybody gather around circles. And uh, 21st century Americans mostly will be in that group, I think. We'll, uh, oh, you're from the 21st century. Um, but uh, it's just one of those things that, no, heaven, there is no sickness. There is no death. Uh, the Bible tells us that there, that there is no pain even in heaven. Um, there is no dying. There's no sickness. There's no viruses. There's no cancer. There's no diabetes. Um, whatever uh, may have plagued your body here on earth, whatever um, uh, issues maybe with, with, with hearing loss or, or, or eyesight loss or anything like that, the, the, the Bible says that heaven takes all of those things away, that it redeems our bodies. It redeems all of those things. And so really, uh, without getting too geeky, I do have to tell you that, that when I'm talking about heaven, there's really two stages of heaven as I see it in Scripture. Stage number one is the stage that we are in right now, um, that there is a place uh, known as paradise, um, or heaven, where people who die right now, who believe in Jesus, who die, um, their spirits go to that um, place, if you will. It's really not a place in terms of time and place. It's a dimension. But the, the spirits go to be with God instantly. That as soon as you die, if you believe in Jesus, the Bible tells us that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And those spirits are connected with God immediately. And that, that, that communion that was broken by sin is no longer broken. And so, so there, there is that stage of heaven, but then there is a coming stage, which is known as the new heaven and the new earth, that after the resurrection of the body, when our spirits are reunited with our bodies, that we will live in a brand new heaven and a brand new earth. And so uh, when, uh, just for sake of uh, preaching, um, I'm kind of lumping both of those things in there, that the, both of those are part of what God has in store for us. Um, an, another question is, um, when people die right now, um, their spirits, like, do their spirits sleep, or do their, are their spirits conscious? Are their spirits awake? Um, do they understand what's going on? And um, I can understand there are scriptures that talk about, um, Paul, especially in his writings, talks about people who have died in Christ as being asleep. Um, but, but it seems to me, as I read the scripture, that, that what he means by that is that their, their bodies are sleeping. Um, that's why when we take um, uh, uh, the body of a loved one to uh, the grave site, we say that we are laying their bodies to rest. Their bodies are resting. Their bodies are sleeping. But the Bible tells us that spirits of people who have died, um, they actually um, are, are awake. They are, um, they are talking to others. They, uh, for instance, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus uh, has these spirits appear to him, uh, a guy by the name of Elijah and Moses, both of whom died about 1,500 years earlier. But now they appear to him, and they're talking to him about the things that he's about to suffer. So it does seem to me that even though uh, those spirits had not been reunited with their bodies yet, that they still were able to understand some things of what was going on. They're still able to talk to Jesus, um, converse with him. Jesus told the thief on the cross who was crucified next to him, he said, today you will be with me in paradise, today. And, 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 and how, how do you know it? Well, it's not that he's sleeping in paradise, but that he is awake and he is aware that Jesus is also there. And so um, I do believe that Scripture teaches that loved ones who die, who believe in Christ, that they are uh, very much awake, that they are very much enjoying the current um, state uh, that they're in. Which, by the way, brings me kind of to, to, to my first point, that uh, if, if, if we are really going to understand um, the benefits of heaven, the, the, the real reason why I'm preaching heaven to you is, number one, there seems to be a lot of confusion about heaven, and so I'm trying to clear that up, but mainly... I, I believe 
that, that, that the way you view the outcome can really affect your current outlook. So the outcome affects the outlook. Uh, your, the outcome, the backdrop, the sunset of your life, if you will, the sunset on the canvas of your life affects everything in front of it, everything preceding it. And so there, there, there is, for many of us, in the sunset of our life, like a big question mark. Like, I don't really know about heaven. I don't really know about hell. I'm not really sure. There's just kind of a fog. And unfortunately, that affects the rest of our life. So, so, so I have basically just two points for you today. And, uh, and these are two ways that I think that, it can, that a view of heaven can help affect your outlook here on this earth. Um, and the first point is that we have to fix our focus. We have to um, fix our focus and, and almost, you know, almost like the lens on a camera. We have to get unfoggy. We have to get unblurry. We have to zoom in, if you will, on what, on what heaven is, on what the outcome that God has promised really is. And so being a good pastor and a good preacher, um, in, in preparation for this sermon, I, uh, I, I got on Google and uh, I, typed in, I typed in heaven. Uh, specifically, what does heaven look like? I started looking at Google Images, did some Google Image research, because I'm also the graphic designer of the church, so I, I kind of need some help every once in a while. But I was looking for, like, you know, let, show me some pictures of heaven. Let me, let me see some pictures of heaven. So I, I, I gave our, our, our guy one of our, uh, uh, three of our pictures, actually. This one in particular was, was interesting. It's like, you know, clouds and um, a pretty weak gate. Um, I don't I don't know. I mean, if that's the only thing keeping folks out of hell, um, we're in tr- Like, uh, you know, I, I think demons could probably jump that probably even or, or you know, just climb around it, 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 you know, and if there's some real skinny ones. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, quiet, serene, gate-like setting. Uh, there was another one that I thought was really fascinating. Um, uh, there's a little bench, park bench, lovely couple on the park bench. <laughs> How does that even work? I mean... I don't know. I, I don't like to mock things, but that is kind of, that's weird. Um, you know, it's, as, as, as I'm looking at these pictures of heaven, honestly, like, like a lot of them are kind of like people like sitting on a cloud, walking on a cloud, standing on a cloud. There's hardly ever very many people in, in, in like this is, this, is, this, this is a crowd, people. And when it comes to heaven pictures on Google, there's like a lot of people in this picture. Like the most that I ever found was like there was like seven people in the picture. And I mean, you know, so, so basically from Google's perspective, I mean, heaven, we have more, we have more humans in our toddler class right now than are, are going to be in heaven. I mean, apparently it's kind of like a little AA class. Like there's just a few of you, you're not that thrilled about being there, but you know you kind of need it. And you're just kind of like just looking at each other like, okay, well, here we are sitting, uh, resting, standing. There are multiple people holding harps. I mean, that was just, I don't even know what that's all about. But it's just it, it, like this is kind of like the version of heaven. The next slide was, <laughs> was kind of my favorite. Uh, that apparently there is no beer in heaven. Um, yeah, which is probably true. I, I can't find in scripture anywhere where there is beer, but the Bible does say that we're going to drink wine um, at the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, you know, cheers to that. I mean, but no, there's probably not going to be any beer. But it seems almost like like the modern view of heaven. Like that's, that's as I'm doing some research on this, what I'm coming to understand is, is how effectively... The enemy has altered our view of heaven. How effectively the enemy of our soul, who doesn't want us to go to heaven, has tried to tell us that, yeah, you know, it's great and all, 
but it's really not all that. I mean, it's, it's kind of like a long nap, which I like naps. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I'm all for a nap. But after a couple hours, like, you know, I, like, I want to watch some football, get some face paint. I want to, you know, I want to go, I want to go to the mall, go shopping. I probably lost all the guys on that one. But I want to, you know, I want to do something. I want to talk to somebody. I want to go play something. I, like, I want to compete. Like, I want to check my fantasy score. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, you know napping is good, but I, I don't know that I want to do that for the next thousand years, you know? Do I really want to be sitting on a park bench with just me and my wife on a cloud staring at the sun, you know, for the next thousand years? That doesn't sound very appealing. I mean, it sounds kind of lame, actually. And I, and I think in many ways, this is what uh, has happened. Our culture has basically substituted the glories of heaven, really, with Morgan Freeman. I mean, you know, you get Morgan. I mean, he's cool. His voice is stellar. I totally want him to narrate my life. But on the, on the other hand, I mean, it's, he's not that much fun. You know, it's not, like, exciting. It's just, it's like boring heaven slow kind of moving everything just predictable everything's kind of white or blue it's just it's, it's, it's interesting to me because God speaks about heaven so much God in the in the Bible writes about tell he wants us to know about heaven and yet I've never heard a sermon series just on heaven and so I'm, I'm like doing this just because I think it's a good idea. Um, but I've, I've been in church a long time. I mean, I grew up in church. I don't remember any specific sermon on here. This is what heaven's like. This is what it looks like. This is who will be there. This is, the, you know. No, instead, like, I heard a lot about the other place. <laughs> H-E double hockey sticks. That's what I heard all about. But yet God talks so much about heaven. So, so I do want to read some scripture here to start to give you kind of a glimpse into the, what God talks about heaven. Every week we're going to be reading some descriptive scriptures. And then we're going to land in Philippians, which is really my main verse. But Revelation chapter 21, really the whole book of Revelation tells us so much about heaven. Um, I mean, it's just fascinating. But chapter 21 kind of culminates everything. And it says, uh, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. This is after the resurrection. This is the culmination of all things. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. Even, even, even the language is interesting. It's not coming down from heaven. It's coming down out of heaven. Uh, this new city, this new Jerusalem from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. This is what he's always wanted. And he will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. In verse 5, he who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. I am currently, presently making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. It's finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And to the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this. And I will be their God and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. 
Then the angels showed me, in Revelation 22, the angels showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the, the, the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be, be any curse. No longer will there be any passwords on your, on your iPhones. No longer... Oh, that's the message version. Sorry. Uh, no longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city. There will be no crooks. There will be no criminals. There will be no, no more politicians. And his servants will serve him. They will see his face. There will be no more politics. And his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night because they won't need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun. For the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. This is an amazing place that we're just starting to, to recognize and to look at the details of this place. Philippians chapter 1, uh, it's actually starting in verse 18, going through verse 24. Paul is writing uh, this epistle and he says, because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. Why? Why are you rejoicing? Because I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, that uh, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. What I know, I'm rejoicing, I'm going to continue to rejoice because I know that what has happened to me will work out for me. What has happened to me will work out for my deliverance. Well, Paul, how do you know that? Well, verse 20, he says, I eagerly expect, so expectation is important, I eagerly expect and I hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether in life or in death. In other words, he's facing a life or death situation. And, and yet he looks at the life or death. Many of us are facing situations, could go either way. But for Paul, it could go like life or death. That's pretty serious. But even facing the most serious kind of situation, Paul says, I know it is going to work out for my deliverance. Whether life or death, how can you say that, Paul? Does he know he's going to live? No. In verse 21, he says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Many of us can't say that. Uh, that is for Paul and hopefully for some of us. But in verse 22, it says, if I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose I don't know. I am torn between the two. I can't make up my mind. I, to die or to live, I can't quite make up my mind. I desire, listen to this. He says, I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. That's actually a, a poor translation from the original Greek. Uh, they left out an entire word. It, it, technically, in the original language, Paul said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better, much more better, by far better. <laughs> it's bad English. But he grabbed three superlatives, stuck them all together to try to, in human language, describe how much better he's talking about. He says, look, for me to, to stay here, you know, it means that I'll be able to serve God some more, so there's some good in that. But honestly, I desire to depart and to be with Christ because to be with Christ is better, much more better, a whole heck of a lot better. 
And, and, and it's interesting to me because, because in my day, right, in our day, when I Google heaven, it doesn't look better, much more better, a whole lot better. It's like, it's, it, I mean, if you're really tired, it looks good. But if you kind of got so, like, 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 honestly, most of the time, the people who want, the only people I've met who really talk about heaven, want to go to heaven, are really old people. Is it, is it true? I mean, is it just true? Like people who like they're they're hunched over, they're, they 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 have the you know the walker, they're 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 drinking insure every day all day, they're in the nursing home, they have to have that instant you know food that they have like like it's 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 it's, it's like their life is not great, and they're like oh I can't wait for heaven, like those are the only kind of people that I know that are really looking forward to heaven, and honestly, who, I can't blame them. I mean, yeah, to be able to stand up straight, to be able to walk again, you know, to have eyes that work again. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's going to be great. But, but you talk to people in the prime of their life. You talk to people who are young, who got stuff going on. They got all these sticks in the fire. They're working things. Their business is rolling. I don't hear a whole lot of talk of, man, I can't wait to get to heaven. But Paul is not old and decrepit. He's not in a nursing home. Paul is like, he, he's, he's, a, he, he's in the prime of his life. And he is saying in the prime of his life, at the peak of his ministry, yeah, it'd be better to go to heaven. It'd be, no, no, it'd be better, a lot better, a whole lot better. What in the world? What does Paul know that we don't know? Like, like maybe it could be that there's more to heaven than fluffy clouds and people sitting on, on benches staring at the sun. That's not a whole lot better. That's not better, better, a whole lot better. That's, that's just, that's, that's only slightly better. And that's, you know, not even that. It's kind of boring. But, but Paul says, no, this is better, a whole lot better, way better. This place, this dimension that God has prepared for us. And so I think part of our, our problem in this current 21st century America is that our focus needs to be fixed. We need to adjust the lens of our focus. We need to understand what heaven is. And part of the problem, of course, is the amount of information we have about heaven, the amount of sermons about heaven or books about heaven or or um, songs about heaven far uh, pale in comparison to the amount of teaching we hear about hell. So I don't know about you, but I grew up in scary church. Like I grew up in scary church. I've, I've, I've told you all several times how I was saved when I was six years old, right? There was this gospel bill, a.k.a. Willie George video, and he did this little, this little illustration, stuck a needle into a balloon and stuff, and it just spoke to me. I was six years old. I, I came down to the front. I, I just said, I want that. I want Jesus in my life. I want to get my sins out of, my, out of me. I want God. And, and that was the moment where I believed in Christ. Um, and I've told you about that. But what I haven't told you about is that was in the spring, and then that next summer, that summer, I got saved like four more times. Not because I was all into being super saved, but because that summer, my church, Life of Faith Fellowship in Port Huron, Michigan, we did something, we did a drama called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. Is there, do we have any real Christians in the house? Like you remember, Heaven's, come on somebody. I'm talking plexiglass pulpits. I'm talking... <laughs> flags. We had, we had flags. You all have flags up on your stage. I don't know why, but we had flags. And then we had like a globe just in case we left out a couple countries or something. Just pray for the globe. Stretch your hands toward the globe, everybody. We're just going to pray for everybody. I mean, you know, like, I mean, plexiglass. The, 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 I bet that pulpit's still in a storage unit somewhere. Like that sucker's not breaking, denting, chipping, nothing. That thing's made of 
plexiglass. And I mean, so that way you can make sure the pastor has legs, you know, you can still see his legs while he's preaching. And, 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 and I mean, we had the foam covers over the microphones, you know, like the red, green, yellow foam covers. Helped the sound guys out a lot, you know. Yo, Red, I'm going to go and turn you up a little bit. But, you know, in, in back in the day, uh, big hair, we're talking 1986, we're talking all the singers that were wearing the same color, and it changed every week, went from purple to orange to any other nasty color that didn't go with your skin complexion. And um, we, 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 we did Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, and it was a drama, and it, it was fine. I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm bashing it, but, but, but honestly, it was, it was fine. It was, it was, I, I remember the opening scene was this Christian family, and you knew they were Christians because they just came from church. And all Christians go to church. Um, and so, just throwing that out there. And so, you know, there's a mom and dad up front, two kids in the back. They're driving along. And then they're screeching. They get a head-on uh, collision, car accident. They die. And suddenly, like, they're all laying all over the, the, the stage. And, and, like, this soft music comes in. And, like, Bach is playing some kind of instrument, you know, stringed instruments. And, and these angels kind of float in, you know, real softly and gently. And they kind of pick these people up. Oh, wow. And they're going to heaven. And so they take them off to heaven. And that part was actually kind of cool, sort of. I was more into Petra than, you know, Bach, but whatever. Uh, so they take him off into heaven. But that's like 30 seconds of the play. The rest of the play was all about these other people that were doing these bad things, and then they die. And then, like, the lights go out, and the scary music comes on, and the demons. Like, if you got to play a demon, that was actually cool, because you got, you got to do a lot, you know? And so they're, like, grabbing people, and I know. Go and they're dragging them off, kicking and screaming, you know. And as a six-year-old, I'm like, oh, I do not want to go there. Like, or, you know, I mean, I'm not that thrilled about heaven, but honestly, at least it's not hell. Like, I don't want to go there. And so I went down to the front. I'm like, Jesus, I know I already prayed to you like in the spring and stuff, and I thought we were good, but I just want to make sure I don't go there. So Jesus, like, just, if I did anything I don't know about, I did, but maybe I did. I don't know. Maybe, possibly. Just forgive me for that, please, because I really need, I really don't want to go there. I really don't want to go to hell. Hell looks awful. It's scary. There's fire and ugly demons and people screaming. And, you know, it's like, I don't know. That's not good. So the next night they did the drama again, you know, and I don't know. Maybe I did something wrong that day. I'm going down to the front and I need Jesus again. You know, I got saved like four times that week. We did it like the whole week. And it's kind of effective, you know. I mean, as a pastor, I mean, sure, it does kind of get people to think about hell, which is a good, I mean, you need to be aware of the reality of hell, but, but the emphasis was so much on hell that it's almost like people would come forward, and like me, they would pray, and like me, they would, you know, cry a little bit and feel really bad for stuff, but then they would go away and just continue living their lives. Because the focus for them was not on heaven. That's not what stuck out to me from that drama. I didn't, I didn't pick, that, pick up that heaven was this awesome, better by far, amazing Disney World kind of place. No, I, heaven's kind of boring, but it's a lot better than hell. And, 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 and for, some, for, for many of us who grew up in scary church, how many of you like, like actually like, like you, you got saved because you didn't want to go, hell, go to hell? Just if, if you're honest, like you're, yeah, when I was a kid, I just, yeah. Yeah, many of us, many people in Austin actually are living in Austin because they got kicked out of other churches because, because they, 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 they started off with the wrong outcome. Hell was the, 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 the backdrop. Hell was the, the, the sunset of their story. And because hell was the sunset of their story, 
it, it meant that, 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 that they, came, they only came to God because of fear. And so then they continue following God out of fear. But whenever fear is, is the main soundtrack of your life, then you start reacting to other people out of fear. And so judgmentalism comes out of fear. So those of you who grew up in scary church and you really don't think those people are very good, and we have several people that grew up in abusive kind of church relationships and situations, and, and, and I, I would just tell you that honestly, those people in scary church were just as scared as you were. Like they were scared. They were scared of doing the wrong thing. They were scared of saying the wrong thing. They were scared that somehow they were going to end up in hell. And so they wanted to make sure they would scrutinize their own lives and pick themselves apart. And that's why they did that to you. Because they thought that's what was good. They thought that's what would keep you out of hell. If they can just make sure you know everything wrong that you're doing, then maybe you won't go to hell. Because they were constantly living with the fear that maybe I'm going to hell. I could be going to hell. I don't know. I, I, I could miss the will of God for my life. I, I, I could miss it. I could miss it. I could miss it. I just, I just can't find it. It's like I lost my keys on the couch and I'm searching for God to just show me something. Lord, Lord just make sure I'm doing what's right because, because hell is my sunset. And then when hell is your sunset, then fear is your soundtrack. You know, you know like in a movie, you know, you have soundtracks. You have... Soundtrack is like, it's like that it's like that that sort of subtle thing that lets you know what's going on. You know, like if you're watching a horror flick and suddenly start hearing those high violins, that's not good. Or a clown's about to jump up out of the sewer or something. I mean, it's not going it's not going to be good. You, you, you kind of hear the eerie music and you're like. Uh, yeah, she's about to die. Yep, she's definitely about to die. She's going to go down. Don't, don't open that. Don't open that door. Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Because, how, well, you know, how, how can you tell that? Well, because the soundtrack clues you in. The soundtrack clues you in not just in scary films. I mean, I mean even in, you know, classic films where you have a, where you have a man in a boat and a woman in the boat and a bird is singing, sha-la-la-la-la-la, don't be shy. You got to try it now. You're going to. Come on, Laura knows what's up. Ashley knows what's up. You know what's going on. Yeah, they're like, like you know, no one's about to die. No, no jokers not, is going to jump out of anywhere. A clown's not going to get them. Why? Because they're singing about, you know, kissing. They're about to kiss. That's what's going to happen. The soundtrack clues you in. It tells you how you should feel about this moment. Should I feel tense? Should I feel concerned? Should I feel joyful? Should I feel relaxed? The soundtrack speaks to your emotions as you watch the, the events unfold. And for many of us, we have a soundtrack of fear that's playing over and over and over again. So we view ourselves out of fear. We view other people out of fear. So are you with me? Are you my friend? Are you gossiping about me? Are you, uh, what was that? What, what, you know, that, that post you made, you put, about, put out there last week on Facebook. Was that about me? You know, is that, I mean, you know, you're so vain, you probably think this sermon is about you. I'm just saying that these music just starts getting into my head and then I can't get it out. But, you know, it's, it's like, it's like when you have fear, you're constantly suspicious, constantly judgmental, constantly protective over what's yours, making sure that nobody can in any way kind of creep in on what you deserve because, because, because fear. And the whole reason you have fear as a soundtrack in your mind is because the scene is hell. The scene is condemnation. The scene is God's judgment and the angry father who's looking to make you pay and make everybody pay. But that's not like, that's not 
what Scripture teaches. There is a hell, but Scripture far more emphasizes heaven. When Jesus was on uh, the Mount of Olives, he was giving what is known as the Olivet Discourse, and he's, he's sharing with his disciples just before he's crucified his last little sermonette to them. He doesn't say to them, hey, guys, make sure you, make sure you behave yourselves or else you'll go to hell. No, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come back and bring you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. He's talking about heaven. Well, Jesus, don't, don't you need to warn them about the fiery pit? Well, no, not really. Because I don't want to motivate people out of fear. I don't want to motivate people out of fear or they will react out of fear. And fear will be the, the soundtrack that they're, that they're listening to. And so, and so, yeah, you need to fix your focus, but you also need to, need to set your, your soundtrack. You need to figure out. You need to figure out the soundtrack of your, of your life. And you can, you can try to change that on your own. You can try to think positive thoughts and try to think everything's going to be okay. Really, 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 really going to be okay. But if, if you haven't adjusted what you think of the end, if you haven't adjusted the sunset or the outcome of your life, then your outlook is still going to be reflective of what you ultimately believe is the outcome. And what I found is that very few Christians yearn for heaven, dream about heaven, or even understand anything about heaven they haven't even given it enough thought to say yeah i kind of know what heaven's like because the enemy has so convinced us that heaven really isn't that interesting and that really you ought to serve god because well if you don't he'll squash you and that version creates fear in us and fear leads to anxiety, and fear leads to worry, and fear leads to, to sleeplessness, and fear leads to all kinds of physical and emotional and mental conditions because fear is the soundtrack playing over and over and over and over in our heads. If we really are living under a God who would just assume squash us as look at us, then, then truly we really ought to live in fear, but that's not the kind of God that Scripture teaches us about. Roman, uh, Revelation 21 uh, tells us all these interesting details about heaven in one sentence about hell. One line at the end of that, you, if you caught that, one line about the lake of sulfur, but a whole lot of other stuff about what good stuff he has prepared for those who love him. That God wants us to get our hopes up. God wants us to look ahead. God wants us to, like Paul, say, I am, I am, I am rejoicing currently and I'm going to continue to rejoice because I know where I'm going. Because I, I can see the outcome. My outcome is heaven. My outcome is, is this glorious, beautiful place where everything is set right and everything is, is made perfect and I am in communion with God and with other people have this amazing outcome. There's a, there's a joke about heaven. When you're researching heaven, you come across a lot of jokes about heaven. Um, there's a joke about this, this couple, this, this husband and wife, and around their 40s or 50s, they, uh, she decided, decided to start eating more healthy and uh, exercising more. And so the two of them, you know, changed their diet, made a lot of adjustments. And um, because of it, they were quite healthy. And they lived a pretty long life up until their 90s. And uh, they died together, you know, kind of like the notebook. And 
Um, anyway, they go to heaven together, and uh, uh, they walk up to that to that little gate there. And uh, Saint Peter, for some reason, Peter's always at the gate. I, that's not biblical, but anyway, Pete's there, and he's like, "Hey, welcome to heaven. Let me show you around. Let me show you your your palace." And so he brings them to this immaculate palace, bigger than anything they've ever seen, greater than ever, anything they've ever seen. This is a massive palace. He takes them up to the master bedroom. The master bedroom itself is bigger than the house that they lived in on Earth. I mean, you know, the, his jaw, the jaw, the guy's jaw just drops. He's like, "I can't believe." this the whole the one wall is just filled with tvs of all the best football games ever like right there all the replays i mean all the super bowls except the last one uh, are all there and uh you know he's like man this is awesome there's a there's there's a in the in, in the ground jacuzzi right there there's a, a live-in masseuse downstairs uh, a chiropractor downstairs i mean i mean everything that you could ever want and and he's just like man how much is this place and peter says oh it's free it's free it's heaven so it's free, like it's been prepared for you. It's free, you can have it. You guys just get to live here. Let me show you the backyard. He takes them to the back and, and they're right on the edge of this beautiful golf course, the best golf course he's ever seen. And it changes every week to reflect one of the great golf courses in, in the world. And he's like, man, what are the green fees on this? Like how long are the, how long's the waiting list? He's like, no, there's no waiting list. There's no green fees. It's free, you golf as much as you want, whenever you want, it just, it's, just, it's available to you. This is heaven. Peter, and the man's like, wow, this is awesome. And so he's like, hey, let me show you the kitchen. They go on downstairs. There's 30 chefs preparing their breakfast, all different kinds of cuisines, everything that they love of, of, of all different tastes and cultures and desserts and, and, and all that sugar and, and uh, cholesterol and all that good stuff. And uh, the man's like, man, how much is this? He says, no, it's free. It's heaven. It's for you as much as you want, whenever you want. And, and he said, but uh, there's a bit of a problem here. Like, like we, we, this isn't part of our diet. Like we can't eat this. And uh, Peter says, oh, no, 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 it's fine. It's heaven. Like, you eat as much as you want, and you never gain any weight. You, you're not ever going to gain any weight, and, and you're never going to get sick because you don't need vitamins. You don't need any of that stuff. There's no viruses in heaven. There's no sickness. There's no cancer. You'll never gain any weight. You'll never get sick. Eat whatever you want. And actually, you're never hungry. You just eat because you feel like it because it tastes good. So whatever tastes good, whenever you want it, just, just, just come on down, order it, and we'll make it for you. It'll be awesome. And the man at that, he just, he just gets angry. He takes his hat off. He stomps on it. He's like, he's getting ticked off. And, and his wife kind of looks at him. And, and Peter is a little perplexed. He says, what's, what's the matter, dude? And, and, he, and he turns to his wife and he's like, Evelyn, if it wasn't for those dang bran muffins you've been making, we would have been here 10 years ago. <laughs> and and, and we, sort of, we sort of laugh at that because it's so, it so counteracts our thinking of heaven. It so counteracts our thinking of heaven, doesn't it? It's like we think the longer you live, the better off you are. We think the more life experiences here on this earth, marriage, children, all of that stuff, the better your life is, the fuller your life is, the better it is. Because obviously, when, whenever we get to heaven, we're going to be taking a really long nap. It's this, it's this, it's this eternal daycare center where, where we're going to sit around and look at clouds and stuff. But we don't really understand how awesome heaven is. And because we don't understand how awesome it is, we think it's funny that someone would say, man, we could have been here earlier, as if that's great. And it is great. Many of us here in, in City Chapel, over the past two and a half years that we've been in church, we've lost uh, uh, four different members to death. Some of them very young, some of them not so young, but not very old, none of them very old. And, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's sorrowful and it's, and it's painful for the family, but they have not, the ones who have gone on have not missed anything. 
haven't missed, we miss them, but they, they don't miss us. Psalm 1611, David is writing about heaven. He said, you will lead me in the path of, of life because in your presence is fullness of joy, fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forever. In your presence is fullness of joy. See, we haven't experienced fullness of joy here. Like even on the most joyful day, next week, next week in my sermon, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get out a chart and I'm going to chart my entire life on the, 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 the highs and the lows, the, the peaks and the valleys. And I'm going to talk about how heaven relates to all of those. So I'm going to be vulnerable with you guys next week. So if you want to learn all my secrets, come next week. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm just going to let you know in all the peaks and the valleys. But even the peaks, like, like one of the peaks is the day that, that Roe and I got married. Like that's, that's 11 years ago um, in a beautiful mountain in Colorado. Um, you know, we, we got married. One of the most joyful days of my life. I mean, talk about fullness of joy. That's like, that's, that, that's a peak. But yet even in that joy, even, in, even on that day, Roe is walking down the aisle and I look over her head and there's these thunderclouds and lightning <laughs> because... The afternoon storm is rolling in. I know we got 25 minutes to hurry up and get this thing done and get out of the rain. You know what I'm saying? So, so, and then I'm thinking, oh man, I forgot my vows. We were supposed to write our own vows. And I did the night before, but I didn't write them down. And so I had to go off of memory. And so, you know, I'm giving my life away here just off of memory. I mean, you know, you think it's good to preach it. Just, I know, like, I'm like, this is the for till death do us part. And somebody recorded it. So it still gets played all the time. Stuff that I... Totally remembered from the night before. But anyway, the stress and it, like the sound guy, like he didn't turn the music off and on at the right time. I'm over there looking at him like, turn. you know, so even the most joyful day of my life, my wife didn't even get a piece of the wedding cake because she was too busy gabbing. I grabbed one and ate it before everybody else. But anyway, it, the most joyful day of my life still had stress and anxiety in the middle of it. Still had tension and, oh, that wasn't quite right. Oh, I wish I could have done. Man, I didn't even say hello to those people. And I mean, all that kind of thing the most joyful day of our month. Another peak in my life is in the, born, the birth of my first baby. You know, she's, she, she comes out, she's laying there. It's so beautiful. And then, you know, and then more stuff comes out and it's not beautiful. And it lasts 30 seconds. And then, you know, I mean, being married, marriage is wonderful. I, don't get me wrong. It's, it's joyful, but marriage is still a lot of work. That's right. Having kids is wonderful, but having kids is still a lot of Glad you chose that word. That's right. It is a lot of work. It's a lot of it. And, and it's beautiful, but it's, but it's, but it's hard. It's painful. It, it, there's, there's, there's a price to the pleasure. With all of our pleasures right now, the, mo the best day in your life, there's a price to that. It costs you something. It costs you commitment. It costs you saying no to other things. It costs it cost you some stuff. You have to say no to a bunch of stuff to say yes to your kids and to your family. It costs you something. There's a, there's a price to it. But this fullness of joy, pleasures forever, forever, not spontaneous, not momentarily, not once a day, not twice a week, pleasures forever. This is where... We're going. This is what God has prepared for us. This is what he's prepared for those who love him and follow him. So over the course of the next few weeks, I want to explore that a little bit more. I want to I want to talk um, about those who have who have gone on before. Are, are, are we going to recognize our loved ones? Are we going to know them? But for now, 
I want you to understand how a, a belief in heaven and faith, honestly, faith, can affect the soundtrack of your life. That you can live right now with a, a soundtrack of joy. You can live with the soundtrack of joy. If you, can, if, you can, if you can put heaven as the setting, the sunset, it will affect the scene. It will affect everything, the soundtrack of your life. It'll, it'll bring joy into your life. You don't even necessarily have a reason. Paul said, I have been joyful and I'm going to continue to be joyful because I know how it turns out. I know how it works out. I know that what is happening to me is actually working for me. I, I've, I've read the last chapter of the book. And it's not hell, and it's not condemnation, and it's not loss, and it's not sickness. Cancer is not the last chapter. It's, it's, it's the last chapter is heaven. The last chapter is pleasure forevermore. The last chapter is fullness of joy. I know where I'm going, too. And so that's why, don't be surprised, that I, I'm not that depressed about what I'm going through. Because I know where I'm going, too. If I can keep my eyes, if I can understand where I'm going to, that, that, that's, I think, why the enemy tries so hard to distort this picture of heaven. Because if he can rob you of the beauty of what you're going to, he can zap you of the energy to move through where you are. Because you're persevering for a nap? <laughs> that doesn't work out for me. That's not enough for me. But pleasures forevermore, fullness of joy the river of life, no sickness, no sorrow, no pain. This, this is starting to sound like something I can, <laughs> I can buy into. Something that's starting to sound like something that a God of love would actually create for me. That he has gone to prepare a place. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute? I, I, I want to give you an opportunity to receive uh, this God right now. that if, if you're here today and you say, I don't know if I would go to heaven. I don't, I don't know what God thinks of me. First of all, I hope that you understand that God is busy preparing a place for you. Regardless of what you've done or who you are, what you believe, he is preparing a place for you. great question is, will you follow him to that place? Will you let him lead you, as David said, on that path of life to that place? Um, the way that we tell our kids is, will you make God your boss? <laughs> will you let him call the shots? Will you let him lead you? Will you let him direct you? Will, will you let this God, who is full of love and full of goodness and full of great plans for you, will you trust him to lead you through this current situation, this current problem, this current life? And that's the great question that all of us must answer. And it's not done just in a service. You don't just decide one day and then that's it. It's settled forever. You, you start a journey. You start walking with him. You introduce yourself to him and you invite him into your life. So if you'd like to do that today, would you just raise your hand with me and let, let me...